And then he was bad at the one line that you have to be good at to play Tiny Tim. Because <laughs> oh, I just take. didn't believe him that we were, uh, that God bless us, everyone. <laughs> Sorry, I listen, I have pretty strong Tiny Tim takes. And this is maybe the most, this is maybe the most controversial thing I'll say on this show. Um, Piper thinks some people have punchable faces. I don't really like Tiny Tim. Well, Merry Christmas to you, Lillian. How are you today? <laughs> I'm so good. You've started coming in so hot on these episodes. <laughs> and I love it. Like, do not get me wrong. It's the best. Yay. I just don't want to start with the same old like, hi, how's it going? When we have a potential theme to talk about here. That's such a great point. I considered opening with a quote and being like, Jacob Marley was dead to begin with. You must know this fact at the beginning of the story or else the rest of the podcast won't be wondrous. I mean, so there you go. You got both versions. I like both versions. It would have freaked me out if you had started that way. Here's something that I remembered as we were watching Christmas Carol. Um, I don't really it's like spooky. Christmas Carol. <laughs> Because it's a spooky movie about ghosts. It's so spooky. And it's about <laughs> ghosts. It's not about Christmas. <laughs> I was thinking about that because we originally were going to do like the four options for people to vote mm -hmm. on. And you were very adamant. You're like, I really want to see the George C. Scott Christmas Carol. And I'm like, yeah. yo, me too. Let's freaking do it. Um, but yeah, it is very, I was wondering how spooky this would be for you. It was second in our uh, thing last year and I had sort of hoped that it would win thing poll last year um, <laughs> so it was second in our poll last year I really I, th I was excited about it and I hadn't seen Christmas Carol in a really long time and um, I was disappointed that we didn't get to see our favorite George C. Scott again um, and then it, when we were talking about it this year I was like yeah we should put him in the survey again hell we should just pick him um, yeah. And then, and then I was watching it and I was maybe five minutes in and I went, whoops. He's <laughs> <laughs> so spooky. So for some, uh, relevant historical context, um, it used to be like a family tradition of my extended family, mostly like my grandma and grandpa and like grandkids mm -hmm. that we would all go to the Guthrie here in oh Minneapolis, like every other Christmas. Yeah. To go see a Christmas Carol. So you probably have this same traumatic experience of going from extreme levels of emotions as a child uh -huh. of, for me, it was always like emotion. Number one was being so excited to put on a fancy Christmas dress, mm -hmm. go into downtown Minneapolis where the yeah. lights and the buildings are lit up and it's snowy and it's a magical place for adults. And I get to come into this world briefly yeah. if I'm on my best behavior. And then suddenly uh -huh. a bunch of scary ghosts jump out at you yep. on the stage. And I'm like, I'm crying. I'm scared. And the Guthrie, for those of you who like, first of all, it is a fairly famous nationally known theater. So if you don't know it, that's actually on you. Um, but for those of you who don't, um, it's like, it's a really great theater, but they also are fairly artsy. So mm -hmm. a lot of times, and like going to see Christmas Carol every year at the Guthrie is like not a unique tradition. Um, we didn't go every other year or even every year. I think we went every like three or four years, but I went 
several times as a child to see Christmas Carol at the Guthrie. Um, and sometimes they, they made choices to keep it interesting. And some of those choices were really scary. <laughs> yeah, dude, the one that I remember really freaking me out, one of them was just simply like a, a cool trapdoor effect where the ghost mm-hmm. of Jacob Marley, like vanishes into the floor with like a bunch of light and smoke and he's rattling those chains and that's really scary but the one that like freaked me out is for one year they did this really cool effect where there's like a part at the beginning where he sees the face of jacob marley in the door Mm -hmm. knocker and what they did is they wheeled out this door that was actually made of like an elastic material but you couldn't tell and an actor stood behind it and shoved his face (gasps) through like the door so it stretched out around him and it was amazing but terrifying so spooky so spooky i just remember (laughs) they didn't always i was always afraid i don't know if they did it one year or what but i was always afraid that they were going to have the ghosts enter somewhere else yes like from behind or something i think they'd done that before and little me just not a fan and here's (laughs) here's the thing and this is what happens to me apparently even as an adult is like every time i'm like i Christmas Carol, Christmas, gotta love it. It's so cute. Look at this like fun, like story. There's, it's going to be about Christmas. And then every time I watch it and I was like, it's mostly ghosts. It is mostly sad stories for an old man and ghosts. And then I get to the end and I'm like, I don't want to watch this again. Why do I keep watching this? And then you get to those (laughs) last 10 minutes and I'm like, that's why every time. So if you've made the horrible mistake of deciding that the best way for you to be introduced to the story A Christmas Carol is to come to a Jane Eyre podcast, find their episode on Christmas Carol, and listen to that. This is for you, you incredibly specific flower. I love you. Um, (laughs) Here we go. Here's the story. So there's this man. His name is Ebenezer Scrooge, and he's the worst boss ever. Um, and he is mean to his employee the day before Christmas classic. Um, and then goes home to his house where a spooky ghost is waiting for him. He has like a whole dinner situation. Um, but then a spooky ghost shows up and it turns out it's his old business partner. And he's wearing all these chains that are the chains he made during life. Um, and there's lessons to be learned. And this old man, he needs to learn those lessons. And how is he going to learn those lessons? Three additional ghosts, the ghost of Christmas past, future and pre- no present and then future um and that's sort of like how it's laid out in a really normal way um and then the <laughs> then that happens and the ghost of christmas past comes and it turns out he was sort of sad there as a little kid and then he was happy for a minute and then he forgot how to be happy by being a selfish selfish businessman um and then christmas present People don't like him because he's so mean. (laughs) And then the future, when he dies, no one cares because he was so mean. And then also a sweet little boy dies. And and he wakes up and he's so upset about all of these things that he learned because, frankly, it was kind of traumatic. And then he opens a window and he's like, hey, strange little boy, um, what, what day is it? And it's Christmas Day, you guys. They did it all in one night. It was fucking nuts um and then he goes around and does good deeds and it's the best part of the movie and that's frankly the only part you should watch (laughs) a minute 32 seconds yes well done 
so fast. <laughs> Yay. Okay, so you keep mentioning that it's not about Christmas, that it's about a ghost story that happens to happen yes. on Christmas. I think that's a very interesting yeah. kind of place to start talking about A Christmas Carol, <laughs> because I was wondering about that too. And I'm sure scholars have gone in depth and have the answer to this. Mm-hmm. But I do think it's really interesting that I think this story, if you took away the holiday aspect of it, it could still easily stand mm-hmm. on its own two feet as a cautionary tale about how to be a better person and care for your fellow man and all these other things. But I think what's interesting about the Christmas element of it is kind of this idea that certain holidays, if you like tie in kind of more of the like pagan or Wiccan kind of traditions Mm. of holidays that like the Christian faith kind of adopted, they had kind of more magical elements to them, which is why they were celebrated at certain times. So I love the idea that an old timey kind of view of Christmas is kind of similar to how we think about Halloween, which is an idea of like, this is a time when the spiritual plane and the human plane kind of intersect and a doorway can open and different spirits can come through and like interact with people for whatever reason. So that's my theory about why this happens at Christmas. I like it. It's a good theory. Here's, here's my, we'll, we'll not call it a counterpoint, just like an additional point. Christmas is supposed to be warm hugs, fuzzy feelings, uh, cozy blankets, and presents. And this is spooky, scary ghosts. That's done in October. We did that. That we did the spooky, scary ghosts. I had to be really careful for a whole month, and now it's over. And it's supposed to be hot chocolate and candy canes. And this is not that. If you are in Lillian's wheelhouse, please leave us a five star review with a candy cane. And if you're in my wheelhouse, leave a five star review with a little ghost. We'll okay. see how many It'll come be, in. This is going to be the most important poll we ever do. <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> and there's only one way to vote. Um, yes. Incredible. Um, okay, so before we dive into like the plot and everything, I think beforehand, I kind of have to get off my chest how many okay. actors I was surprised to know yes, from this. Yes, 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 yes. I have two important ones. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have more than that? Yes. Okay, then I I'm going to go f- First, unless you okay. really want to go first. No, go for it. Tell me who you okay. recognize. So Roger Reigns plays the nephew, plays Scrooge's mm-hmm. nephew. Um, and I recognized him. And sometimes this happens where like I see an actor and I'm like, I know I know you from a lot of things, but I also know you from one specific thing. And mm-hmm. I dug through his IMDb. And like all normal children, I watched The West Wing as a small <laughs> child. Yes. And that's what I know him from. <laughs> cute (laughs) he played a british ambassador who would get drunk and handsy um Mm -hmm. and that's what i remember him from what did you did you have him on your list i did so i know him from a few things um i recognized him from west wing i know him he plays the sheriff of rottingham in men in tights um and he also plays like a proprietor on behalf of um hugh jackman's alter ego at the end of uh no what's it called the one with the magicians who are fighting the prestige um Ah, yes he goes to like another movie that i watched the whole thing of and frankly not a fan too spooky for lillian i was gonna say that's that for that one that's because you have bad taste because that movie rocks (laughs) no that is i would say objectively good movie too spooky for lillian totally absolutely too spooky for lillian that's where i need the end of that movie i don't want to spoil the prestige Yeah, don't spoil it. Don't. Everyone, go watch that movie. The twist at the end of that movie. Oh, God. I think about that like twice a month. 
nice. it's so upsetting to me. Oh, no, cool. not in a nice way. <laughs> and See, I, it still haunts me way. I think of the twist and I'm like, oh my God, I got to go watch it right now. Uh, but anyway, who's our next person? I guess I can guess who you're um, going to talk about next. I think you know Mrs. Cratchit. And I fully gasped when I saw her face. Susanna York, who was... yes. Uh, George C. Jane? Scott's Jane and I'm like why you know? aren't you talking like I want them to break character and talk about it in the movie <laughs> like- right I realized that too because I saw her name in the rolling in the opening credits and I was like why is that name familiar because it just wasn't clicking to me <laughs> that like another Jane would like be in this property and so yeah like seeing especially in the scenes where he is in their house and she's talking about Scrooge. And I was like, that's your, that's your wife. <laughs> it's your love. It's so good. Um, also, I think this ties really well into obviously George C. Scott. Um, so I felt like he seemed very old in this, which like Scrooge always does. Like that's part of his whole shtick. How old do you think Scrooge is supposed to be in this book? Like in the book, how old was he? I would guess he was like a man in his 60s or 50s. He's supposed to be 57, which felt way too young for me. It's a time period, though, when people like didn't live that long. So yeah, they aged hard, I will say. Um, (laughs) But George C. Scott, I was like, oh, my God, he must have been way older than that when they filmed this movie because he seemed so much older than 57. He was 57 exactly. Amazing. Oh, wow. They just really <laughs> nailed that one. <laughs> Costumes, man. They do They do a wonder. Um, well, also speaking, having upsetting hairlines. Yes. Speaking of the costumes, we're going to pivot real quick and then get back to the actors. Yes. I was looking through the uh, trivia on IMDb for this movie, and apparently oh. it's significant that this is one of the only film adaptations of A Christmas Carol where he is wearing an outfit similar to what's described in the book, which includes like pants and a shirt and even like a jacket where most versions we picture Scrooge as Mm -hmm. the nighty that goes down to the floor and the little sleepy hat. (laughs) George C. Scott apparently was like, no, that doesn't make any sense. At the dead of winter, Scrooge would freeze to death. Like he would wear pants and a shirt and other things like in the book. So they did that. That's so good. I love that. Some of the other ones real quick, because a lot of these people, I was like, whoa, damn, I know who that is. So Bob Cratchit is played by David Warner. And I mm-hmm. know David Warner as Cal's like manservant in Titanic, uh, Lovejoy, <laughs> who is like the ex-cop who hunts down uh, Jack and Rose. So nice. I'd only ever known him as like an evil guy. So it was really cool <laughs> to see him as like this nice, loving father. So that was exciting. And then the other one, which isn't that significant, but I was like, holy shit, I know who that guy is, is Michael Go Gao. His last name is spelled G-O-U-G-H. He played Mr. Poole. He was one of the dudes asking for donations. Yeah. Um, he plays Alfred, the butler, in the bad Batman movies with the the nipples and the butt close-ups. Incredible. That's him. He's, he's Alfred. <laughs> That's so good. Um, I have one more cast fact that I was going to save, but I think since we're talking about cast, I will mention it now, um, which is uh, the... So I spent some time poking around IMDb. It's what you do while you're watching a movie that you know the plot of. Um, <laughs> and uh, the kid who played... Every once in a while, like the child actors have really cool fun facts about them. So I was like, oh, I wonder if the kid who played Tiny Tim did anything cool. Um, 
this human man has done, he's been on cruise for tons of movies hmm. that we would know. And his IMD pic- B picture is still Tiny Tim from 1984. Hmm. <laughs> I just can't imagine this. It's the worst picture. It's like one of his like super sickly, like <laughs> he's supposed to look like he's dying. Yeah. And I'm just like, that's so rough. They did with the makeup. They gave him these like sunken in eyes. And also it's not this kid's fault, but his like teeth are all really far apart. So he's got like these little needle teeth. And I'm like, it's oh, so rough. <laughs> this poor it's little kid. It's just a rough go of it. And then he was bad at the one line that you have to be good at to play Tiny Tim. Because <laughs> oh, I just take. didn't believe him that we were, uh, that God bless us, everyone. <laughs> Sorry. I Listen, I have pretty strong Tiny Tim takes. And this is maybe the most this is maybe the most controversial thing I'll say on this show. Um, Piper thinks some people have punchable faces. I don't really like Tiny Tim. And like in I think general, it's sad when he dies. Character. But the character of Tiny Tim has always sort of annoyed me. Well, yeah, he's kind of an annoying guy. He's literally written just to like, be this little thing that you are supposed to love and care for. Um, but that's but the thing is, I always felt like it was like really forced. Like Tiny yeah. Tim, like he's just. He's just sickly Mm -hmm. and sweet. Like, Mm -hmm. can he also be, like, interesting? (laughs) Well, it makes it a little better, Lillian, in the Muppet Christmas Carol when he's Mm -hmm. played by a tiny baby felt frog. And then you really don't want that little froggy to die. (laughs) So you really care about that tiny Tim. For for reasons that are bizarre and not things that anyone should worry about um i've cried thrice today um and once was about this movie and the time that i cried because of the movie was every time and i get so annoyed every time the cratchit family is talking about how much they miss tiny tim i weep i cry so much and i don't literally while i was crying i was like i hate this They did it though. They got you. So mission accomplished. So stupid. Susanna York with her sad little face. Uh, okay. So let's talk like kind of chronologically, if we may. Um, yes. This is a story that I feel like is so interesting to talk about, similar to how we talk about Jane Eyre, because I've seen it so many times throughout my life. Um, and it's always interesting. It's like I almost have many of these chunks of the story memorized because like mm. some of the lines are so iconic. Yeah. So to, see it from a new cast is always really interesting. I, my first kind of thought is that I, again, was struck by the kind of mostly reserved performance I felt in a good way from George C. Scott. Like I've seen a lot of people do Scrooge and they do it very over the top, but maybe that's because I'm used to seeing it in a theater setting. Yeah. But I liked his kind of quiet, like disdain for everybody. It wasn't too big. It's interesting that you point that out because I I also, as you said that, realize that the vast majority of the time that I've seen Christmas Carol has been in a theater setting. Mm -hmm. I usually don't watch it as a movie. Um, And I think that, yeah, it it really, particularly the moments where he's just sort of supposed to be an asshole, Mm -hmm. like famously Scrooge is like, we use that as like indicative for a type of person. Yeah. Um, and I think they do a really, he does a really good job of playing that in a way that's real and not mm-hmm. like a caricature of a rich asshole. Right. Like he's instead like someone who's like, <laughs> it would be insane if I gave you to, if you, if I tried to not pay you tomorrow, people would be mad. 
but you get Christmas <laughs> off and I still have to keep paying you? The system is broken, my guy. And I, the owner of this establishment, the victim. Um, and I did write down uh, a couple of things that I was thinking about during this because my work is going through a bit of a transition right now. And people are sort of freaking out about some PTO stuff around that. Um, <laughs> and I just was imagining like my work gives us the entire week of Christmas off and we have unlimited PTO. And I think that fact might break Scrooge. I think knowing (laughs) that would break him as a person. Like, what do you mean? They can just take any day off? Like, and I have to still pay them? Pre this movie, Scrooge would definitely just have a meltdown about that. even post this movie, Scrooge would struggle with the unlimited (laughs) PTO. (laughs) But see, if you just throw Christmas into that sentence, he might be able to convince him. That's a great point. I think the week of Christmas off, we could get him on board with. Yes, yes. That's a time for merriment. He's got a a lot of new Mm -hmm. friends to go visit now that he's popular again. Um, But yeah, I like I like that it sort of builds like you're talking mm -hmm. about that performance. Like he's he's just sort of like a jerk but in a way that felt too real to me as an adult. Right. Um, Like you can see a boss being a jerk. Yeah. We don't really get like big dramatic outbursts from him until later Mm -hmm. in the movie. And I think that escalates really well. The more severe, like the consequences become and start to settle around him, the more we get Mm -hmm. that kind of huge, like, Oh my God, actually this is literally life and death for me. So cool. Um, Yeah. Just to, before we move on to the next thing, I just had this kind of epiphany. When thinking about the other actors in film that come to my mind who have also played Scrooge, they're all incredibly over-the-top performances. And that's because one of them is Michael Caine in a Muppet movie. So he's acting off of Muppets. So he has to <laughs> yeah. do a big performance. One of them is Bill Murray in Scrooged. And he's an over-the-top guy. So he's always doing that anyway. Yeah. And the other one is Jim Carrey in that weird CGI Polar Express Scrooge. And that has to be over the top because he's born that way. (laughs) Yeah. If Jim Carrey did like a normal chill conversation, I would be like, something's wrong. Something (laughs) has gone horribly. There is a glitch in the matrix. That is not Jim Carrey. He just looks like him. Mm -hmm. He's been body snatched. Exactly. So it's just interesting to think about those other Scrooges in my brain. And then this Scrooge. So, um, and I think I, I really liked that performance, like even, especially at the beginning when you're like kind of getting that level set of who this person is, because I think what struck me in this adaptation, and I don't know if it was that the way that he played it so real, or if it's watching it as an adult. Cause I think the last time I saw this was like early college. Like I haven't seen this in a really long time and like seeing this as an adult, it felt way more real than it had when I was a kid. Like when I was a kid, it felt like a caricature. Like it felt like nobody's really like that now as an adult. And I'm like, no, there's like rich people who like truly think that when someone takes Christmas day off, they're robbing from their employer. Like Mm -hmm. there are people who think that like they somehow deserve more money than you. And that that's (laughs) what the poor house is for. Like, That's a real person. Just out of curiosity, because I was about to make a joke that I'm like, boy, these like Christmas ghosts must be working overtime with some of the assholes that are out there nowadays. <laughs> Did you happen to see, um, I'm trying to think of what it was called. There was a movie about this last year on Apple TV with um, Will Ferrell and Ryan Hot Stuff. I can't think of his name. Gosling? Um, yeah, no. Reynolds? Reynolds, yes. Okay. 
And it was literally about that. It was the idea that like every year they choose like an asshole around the world who has to get like um, ca- Christmas caroled and they would like plan this elaborate <laughs> thing and send the ghosts and everything. And then they find someone who's just like un Christmas carolable. And he's like, this, this shit doesn't work on me. I don't care. And they're like, no, you have to learn a lesson. <laughs> I can't think of what it's called. It's called like jingle or some like one word like thing like that. But anyway, Scrooge, yeah. no, that's a different one. Whatever. I think that's so interesting. Um, here's a question that I have for you. And I think it might be the most important one I've ever asked on this podcast. Um, but if you were to be a ghost of Christmas past, present, or future, which ghost would you be? Oh, this is so easy for me. I would be the ghost of Christmas present because Ooh. I want to be a giant man with a huge beard and big curly hair who's laughing all the time <laughs> and getting to eat food and drink wine and being like, oh, ho, 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 there have been 1800 of my brothers and sisters who have come before me. I'm totally and have that guy. a totally normal thing where there's two small children under your robe. Okay, that's actually one of my favorite parts, Um, not just like in this movie, about the story in general, if we look at the source material, and a lot of versions will cut that part out. And I'm like, no, Mm. this is one of the best bits, because I think it's so interesting. I will tell you why it's one of the best bits. Thank you for setting me up for literary analysis, Lillian. (laughs) Um, Because... Like when the way that we are presented with the ghost of Christmas present, like from just like the surface level, Mm -hmm. he is this being that is very like in the moment, like lives only for like today in these specific things. He's joyous, he's impulsive. um, And it's all of that kind of lighthearted, like freeness Mm -hmm. of that kind of character and that kind of like metaphor that he is. And so it's really interesting to me that at the very end of his journey, this one didn't do this, but there's a line in the story where at the end of his time with the ghost of Christmas present, he Scrooge notices that he's like looking much older and he's like, do you age spirit? Because he's like, literally he's only alive for like one day. Um, And so have that element there, but then he's also the idea of having these creepy children that's like want and greed or whatever they are. I can't remember the exact like kind of metaphors for these creepy little yeah. kids, but that they are concealed within his robes. He's like, no, like you can get lost in the merriment of your happy life, but these people, these things are still also happening right now. Mm. And that lesson that like Scrooge has to know is like, yes, maybe currently you feel content, but just because I'd close my robe, these little monsters don't go away. They're still alive under there and you have to know about them. So that's why they're so yeah. cool. Yeah. I think maybe it's another spook scare for me. I don't like it. I also <laughs> didn't as a kid, I always hated it if they included that part. And as an adult, I'm like, why is this grown man have small children in his robe? <laughs> well, you're not supposed to think about it like that. <laughs> you're right. I'm wrong. <laughs> Get your head out of the gutter. <laughs> this is a metaphor. <laughs> this is a metaphor. Those aren't real kids. <laughs> Lillian, what of the three ghosts would you want to be? I think, okay, so here's the thing. And I think we'll talk about this more. I also lean towards present, um, assuming I don't have to have scary small children in my robe, which I think is a deal breaker. (laughs) You Um, do. (laughs) um, So then probably past, but I think, I don't think I could watch, I don't think I would be a good ghost. And here's why, like of (laughs) honestly, any form of Christmas is like, I wouldn't be able to hold myself back from comforting him because 
and we'll talk about uh, let's let's I think this is a good transition into talking about the experience of the ghost of Christmas past because that section has always been this like bizarre combination of like it is the Christmas movie that I want but I'm also unbelievably sad the entire time that section is going on because mm-hmm. I'm sad for the little kid who was sad and lonely I'm sad for the young man who like is immediately shoved by his father into work. I'm sad for the fact that like he forgot how to be joyful and I'm Mm -hmm. sad about like him leaving. Like I'm not, all of it makes me so incredibly sad for him. Yeah. And it makes me sad for the old man who like just became bitter. Like that kind Mm -hmm. of like, I'm not angry at current Scrooge. I'm so sad for him. Like, I'm just, I'm his nephew who would like come and invite him every year and be like, that's his life is really sad. It is really sad. And And the ghost of Christmas past makes me think about that. And so if I was a ghost of Christmas past, I would be given lots of hugs during that whole situation. Awesome. Very cool. I bet he would appreciate it too. (laughs) With her cool David Bowie 80s hair. Yeah. She, her style, so this was like an 80s movie. Um, she mm-hmm. was definitely the most 80s looking person in this film. It gave me huge uh, David Bowie, um, Goblin King, Labyrinth vibes. <laughs> yes, that is it. That's the vibe. Yes. Um, so I loved her her look. I thought that was great. Um, yeah, I mean, the whole point is to kind of establish to say, like, look, the way that you described Scrooge in, the, in your opening summary is that he's like a horrible boss and an awful man. But yeah. it is a story that also says like most people have a reason why they are that way. And we're going to take a look at that. Yeah. So and it's him kind of confronting that to be like, hey, remember like all these bad things that happened to you and then you became this awful dude. And he's like, yeah, I know. <laughs> in case you're rubbing it in my face. That is how therapy works. Um, You just sort of like look back at your past with somebody there, except instead of them being like, (laughs) so you, you, this is embarrassing for you, right? That you're such a sad, lonely old man now. Instead, it's like, yeah, you know what? What do we think that little kid needed? A hug? Mm -hmm. How would things have been different if you'd gotten a hug? Do you have any (laughs) regrets? How How can we handle that going forward, sir? So most therapists would be the ghost of Christmas past. I think so. And, but they would do it better than the fictional (laughs) ghost from the past. One thing that I was thinking a lot about in shots of his childhood of like getting sent away to a boarding school and his sister coming and just some of the little things that she said of being like, father said that you can come home and he even sent like a whole carriage and all this stuff. (laughs) I was like, this is giving me like, Jane Eyre period vibes of like, you know, children being sent away. And it's like, wow, I get to ride a carriage and come home. Wow. Like it's a, it's Christmas for real now. Speaking of Jane Eyre vibes, um, (laughs) I knew this would come up at some point. So while I was watching, like almost immediately watching this, I was like, this is giving me real Jane Eyre vibes. So this book came out four years before Jane Eyre came out. Um, So it came out in 1843, which as we learned from Patrick on our episode on the uh, 1943 Jane Eyre, was a time of depression. I don't remember if he talked about that on air, if he told me about that later. It was on air, I'm pretty um, sure. Okay. Yeah. Uh, But yeah, there was uh, not a lot of money, depression uh, time for uh, economic depression in England. Um, So that this book makes a lot of sense with that context. Um, Mm -hmm. But interestingly, um, so it was like 
two incredibly famous authors from that time period, there's got to be somebody who's written something about whether or not these people met. Apparently, <laughs> they did meet. They met in passing because someone um, introduced them. So she had been, she was invited to like go spend time with him because she was a big fan of his work. And hmm. apparently they'd sort of met in passing and she didn't like him. Um, but she continued <laughs> to admire uh, Charles Dickens' books. Um, so there's a belief that his book, Nicholas Nickleby, um, mm -hmm. had a lot of influence, particularly on the Lowood part of Jane Eyre. Mm -hmm. um, and then there was someone asked Charles Dickens if he had read Jane Eyre. And he said he never had and he never would. And that sounds real mean when that's a direct quote from the man. But the reason behind it, apparently, is that he wouldn't read any popular books of the time because hmm. he didn't want them to influence his writing. Interesting. Um, which I disagree with, but fair. That is a fair call. That's the only acceptable reason for this man to never read Jane Eyre. Uh, but apparently someone... <laughs> One of his friends read it and was talking to him about how impressive the early chapters from the perspective of a child were. And um, that really had a big influence on um, his later work, David, David Copperfield. Awesome. Dude, look, it's all like interconnected stories, influencing stories. Yeah. Love it. Um, Very so cool. I think that's that's really interesting. And this also something that struck me about this that hadn't struck me before, although it's probably obvious to everyone else, is how deeply gothic this whole situation is. Yeah, of course. It's super spooky. Of course. It, it answers the, um, sorry, not to throw you under the bus with the, like, maybe it's obvious thing. It's like, oh, it is obviously. <laughs> in Lillian, anybody who knows anything about literature and doesn't have their head <laughs> firmly up there behind would know that this is gothic. I'm sorry. <laughs> There's a large, I just with the ghosts and everything and, like, the morbid setting no, I and know. all that other stuff. It's just, like, I just always think of... Like I, this is probably the reason why I'm spooked every time that I watch it because <laughs> every time I go fun Christmas movie and I go to watch it and it's not a fun Christmas movie. Mm -hmm. It's spooky. It's a um, spook scare. It's my theory also that this is the story that is being referred to um, in that one Christmas song that says scary ghost stories and tales of the glories of Christmases long, long ago. Uh, um, the most wonderful time of the year, that song. Yes. Uh, and I used to be like, who's telling ghost stories at Christmas? And I was like, <laughs> oh, A Christmas Carol is Charles Dickens. That probably is right. I believe yeah. you. That I'm firmly in Piper's right camp. Yay. My last thing about Ghost of Christmas Past that I loved is that um, she, I love, so she's got this, uh, essentially it's like a snuff, like to like mm -hmm. put out candles and extinguish flames. And she came, she comes carrying that. And I liked how both with her, like, I'm just going to call it a snuff because I think that's, that's the only thing I could think of. Um, with her tool, they did camera effects, like focusing on the metal of the object to kind of transition them into these moments of the past. And then also when we see the ghost of Christmas present, he has like a silver torch and they do a similar technique of like these objects that they carry are kind of their tools that they use to navigate through mm -hmm time and space that's my also theory of this adaptation anyway yeah um but i loved that freaking scrooge in the end gets so fed up with being reminded <laughs> of his past that he snuffs her out with her own little thing which i haven't seen in other versions and i'm like dude <laughs> i also haven't seen that um and i also didn't 
like the the like weird situation that she's holding that you were describing um that i hadn't i didn't recognize from other adaptations but when i googled it every adaptation that like had pictures of the ghost of christmas past had that little thing so maybe it's just not memorable to specifically me yeah she's supposed to be kind of like a flickering flame Mm -hmm. and so when yeah she is extinguished with that thing then she's out uh and they it's time to move on to the next person i have one more thing with the ghost of christmas past um that just i know i've already talked about how sad this whole part makes me but the part that always breaks my heart is when he leaves his fiance because she lets him out of their contract yeah um and she asks him um what if you met me now knowing that i have nothing to offer you would you um would you choose to pursue me and would you try to make me like agree to marry you and he says some he says something sort of non-committal um and she said what a safe and terrible answer and i just think that like that is so heartbreaking um, and if you weren't, if your heart wasn't breaking at that moment, because you maybe like weren't paying super close attention, don't worry. The music in this movie will definitely let you know that that moment was heartbreaking. Yes, that stood out to me, too. Like if you had muted that scene, it would have been a rather casual her walking away. But with the sound mm-hmm. on, the orchestra is like, cry, oh, damn you, cry. Why aren't you crying already, Lillian? <laughs> Oh, I was just going to say, they also did wonderful casting for young Scrooge. There was like a, a scene where George C. Scott is standing behind young Scrooge actor. And you're like, mm-hmm. hey, you can really see it in their nosies. <laughs> so good, good nose casting. So the ghost of Christmas present, we've already talked about him a little bit. I also just have to add that in my favorite version at the Guthrie, he descended onto the stage in a cornucopia that was like yep. lowered from the ceiling. And it's just like, that's incredible. That's the um, only way that he should enter. Yeah. Um, it's perfect. Absolutely. And I loved that in this one, they like just had the actor up on some stilts. So he's like mm-hmm. a little taller than everyone else. They didn't try too hard with special effects, but they gave it a little effort, which is nice. Well, and it just sort of gives him this like vaguely magical and yet very grounded feel, which I enjoyed. Yeah. And in this one, we get to see uh, both the Cratchit family um, Mm -hmm. having their little Christmas, their meager little Christmas that they're all incredibly grateful for. Uh Uh, And we also get to see um, Scrooge's nephew's party, Mm -hmm. Christmas party, where they are famously making fun of Scrooge uh, behind his back. So, And I do have to say about the Cratchits, um, and we don't have to, like... If you know the story, there's nothing interesting and new we can say about that scene. It was the scene that you are picturing in your head. Um, but the one thing that I do want to say is, um, as like one of Scrooge's like three comments while they're watching this whole scene is, "That's a small goose." And my like out loud, I just went, "Well, fuck you too, sir!" Like, <laughs> my God, like. He won't You're pay his him enough. Boss, pay him better. <laughs> I was gonna say he won't pay him enough to get a good goose, and then he sees the goose that he could afford, and he's like, "Wow, pretty small, Bob Cratchit." <laughs> Try working harder and being better at your job. Negotiate with your boss for a higher salary. I think it'll go good. <laughs> yeah, I won't fire you on Christmas. <laughs> um. So yeah, and they bring out a little figgy pudding. Um. Which, like, am I remembering right? Does Does this sound right to you? They brought out a figgy pudding. That had like a sprig of holly in it. Yeah. 
and they blew on the holly as if it was a candle. Were yeah. they were supposed to be make-believing that they had a candle because they were too poor for a candle? I don't know. It was weird. <laughs> I was like, what's happening? Why are you blowing all over this food? I was like, is this like an old-timey <laughs> tradition? Or are these people crazy? Or what's <laughs> happening here? And I know that I I make fun of a lot of Jane Eyre adaptations for this, so I really should hold Christmas Carol to the same standard. This was a very tight movie in general. It was an hour and 40 minutes. They got mm-hmm. through a lot of plot in that time. Um, <laughs> but wow, did they pick the weirdest things to really give that breathing room to. For example, you watched a silent man room while a man took the slowest bite of figgy pudding you've ever seen (laughs) and really he really was milking his time on screen and wow was that felt did that feel unnecessary to me in my enjoyment of this film well the actress like hey i'm not gonna be on tv again until 1999 (laughs) in the movie titanic so i really need to give this all that i got James Cameron, please notice me. <laughs> That's probably why James Cameron hired him. He was like, yeah. you know what? I wasn't sold on it. And then I saw him eat figgy pudding. And I was like, this man knows how to act. Oh, my God. I wish you could see my face now. I'm like dying. <laughs> Incredible. Um, but yeah, so then um, I hadn't seen when they go to the nephew's house, um, the game that they play. I feel like that's a change from how it is in the story. Cause the game that is usually done that I see is that they play um, it's like 20 questions essentially. And mm-hmm. he like chooses something and they all have to guess what it is by asking him questions. And yeah. 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 The thing where it's like, Oh, is it some kind of an animal, something that's like grotesque that nobody likes, but it's not like a rat or a cockroach. So it must be Ebenezer Scrooge and like, Oh, how funny we got him. But then in this one, they were doing like a synonym. No, a common phrase game. Yeah, which not a game that I would enjoy. Apparently, um, that is you. You are correct, and um, they have some sort of judge situation, and there's like a a whole thing. There's rules to play this Victorian Christmas game. If you have any interest in it, um, <laughs> you can just use Google. Um, but yeah, I as you're saying that that did seem unique to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think you're right. I think I'm guessing it was for the sake of time because um, that was much faster than that scene usually goes. Yeah. And maybe the writer just had this idea where it's like, I had an idea for a party and I want to put it in my thing. So they yeah. Didn't. And sometimes people are wrong. Yeah. And <laughs> the end of this is that um, he gets to go see some homeless people. Um, and oh <laughs> <laughs> he's like, oh, this is so scary. What? what? The weirdest possible way you could have worded that. <laughs> How would you say it? What's the other alternative? Then he's <laughs> taken to see some homeless people. He gets to see them. In a homeless encampment. <laughs> and then he gets to go see some homeless people. <laughs> um, and uh, the, like, I think twice in this segment, the ghost of Christmas present recites his own words back to him, being like... yeah. You know, are there no um, like prisons or workhouses for these people to go? And the same thing when he's talking about Tiny Tim, he asks him, "Is like, is this child gonna die?" Because he's like us in the audience, being like, "Oh no, the kid is sick. Probably he's gonna die." And Ghost of Christmas Present is his Google to be like, "Wait, does the dog die?" <laughs> 
goes through Christmas present is like, yup, he totally died. I'm going to need a t-shirt that's a picture of a ghost of Christmas present and a picture of Scrooge and just the words, the ghost of Christmas present is his Google. Yes. Um, cause at that point he recites back to him. He's like, well, if he's going to die, he better do it now and, uh, decrease the surplus population. Yes. So it's a lot of him being like, Hey, now that you know the people that your words affect, uh, you know, listen, <laughs> which like, again, like that, those lines and that scene of, um, the family under the bridge and all of that stuff. I don't know if it's because I'm an adult or because the world has gotten darker, but all of that felt far too real to me now. I feel like that is a response someone would still give of mm-hmm. like, <laughs> aren't there homeless shelters? What happened to all the homeless shelters? Um, aren't there rehabs? Why aren't these people going? Just an assumption that they're all on drugs, um, which P.S., mm-hmm. mm, that's a bad assumption. Learn more about people who are unhoused. Yeah. Um, or, you know, have, get to go see them. As some people would phrase it. Yeah, get to go see them, exactly. Field trip. Very few people get to go see homeless encampments. Um, But he starts to get affected by this. And he's like, okay, like, I'm starting to get it. And I love to, at this point, after Ghost of Christmas Present shows him the the creepy kids, um, Mm -hmm. he just, like, fades away and disappears. And he's like, don't don't leave me here. Take me back to my house. And he's like, no, and fades away. Well, and like his his logic is like, this is somewhere like dark that I'm unfamiliar with. And I'm like, yeah, wouldn't it be really upsetting if you were a small child eating potatoes that had fallen off of a cart in this situation? Yeah, that your dad definitely did not steal. He didn't steal them. Stop accusing him of that. (laughs) Because if he stole them, that would make him a bad person. And we must always remember that laws are important Mm -hmm. um and therefore even if you're homeless and starving stealing is still morally wrong this is Lillian's uh, sarcastic face too, Thank just you. in case you couldn't pick it up. Thank you. <laughs> but then Listen, we get the we don't have time or I and I don't have the energy to go on a long political rant, but I'm just gonna say I am very pro housing first and I am very pro everyone deserves food. Hooray! Yes, agreed. We stand food for everyone in this podcast. <laughs> Listen, uh, we like to take controversial takes tiny tim (laughs) boring people deserve housing (laughs) come at us um but then the spookiest ghost of all the ghost of christmas future arrives um thoughts on this ghost lillian um he's a spooky spooky man um and i used to cry watching him when my family would go in the theater i would like hide my face and not watch it because it was too scary for me it's one of the best lines in the Muppet Christmas Carol, where when the third ghost arrives, because there they have a narrator, which is Gonzo and Rizzo, and Gonzo and Rizzo get too scared, and they're like, we're too afraid of this part, so we're going to see you guys at the end of the movie. And they duck out, <laughs> so they're Listen, not there for the third ghost. <laughs> I'm not saying I fast-forwarded through parts of that part, because it's too scary for me. Oh my goodness, Because Lillian. saying that out loud as an almost 30-year-old woman would be embarrassing. <laughs> We all support you here and your spooky uh, coping methods. Thank you. <laughs> my my coping me- mechanism methods are spooky. That's the important. I'm not coping with spooky things. I'm spooky. <laughs> she puts on a little witch's hat and presses fast forward. <laughs> You're back. 
<laughs> um, but then, so the things that we get to see here are uh, the, they go back to like the trading market where the mm-hmm. businessmen are laughing about how somebody's died and no one's going to go to the funeral unless there's food. Um, he gets to see his body in his bed under a sheet, but he's too afraid to look at it. Um, and he doesn't recognize his own bedroom, but he's like, it's can't be me. It's just like total denial. Yeah. And then, he's that I will say least surprising twist of mm-hmm. the, of any film ever that Scrooge was the one who was dead. Of and course. maybe it's because I know the plot really well, but otherwise not surprising. Yes. They go to a whorehouse um, where a lady who, because he doesn't recognize her as his housekeeper or anything, I assume is a woman who just went into the home, took all the things from the dead body, and then like went to this place to sell them uh, to a pimp. <laughs> I did not uh, know that those characters were had those professions. <laughs> This is my assumption because for one, like they shoot the outside of the building and there's like a somewhat scantily clad for the time lady sitting there with like a drunk guy outside, like swinging her leg around. Which I didn't miss because I was skipping forward. Of course not. Um, but the mo- the main thing that this is a house of ill repute is that literally when they first enter it, I could swear to God, there's like some like female moaning sounds in the background. We don't, we don't see anything, but there's a brief moment that implies somebody is having sex. And so this is where this woman has decided to come to sell uh, the bed curtains and uh, blanket that she stole from this corpse to a pimp. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Um, and then he sees the gravestone and he's like, are these things that will be or are these things that may be? And he's forced to find his own name on it. And he does a great cry. Because we all have yeah. to cry when we kneel at our own graves. As, uh, listen, we've all experienced this moment. Yes. We've spent a traumatic life, light, night, visiting the past, seeing the present, witnessing what could be in the future. You see your na- own name on a grave. The only response any of us have ever had to this normal situation is to cry. Yeah, crying is normal, guys. Let yourself cry every now and then. Feels good. Lillian did it three times <laughs> <laughs> And don't you feel relieved? <laughs> Honestly, if you're kind of tired and I think you gave me a headache. Oh, no. <laughs> don't cry three times. Cry once or twice. <laughs> Only at cathartic times. All right. <laughs> but he, he wakes up and it's Christmas Day and they did it all in one night, just like you said, Lillian. Yeah, that's crazy. And then this is the part of the movie that I like watching every time. Yay. Every single time. It's sort of like I don't enjoy... It's like another Christmas movie where it's sad all the way up until the very end. Oh, It's a Wonderful Life? It's a Wonderful Life. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't like that movie either, but I love those last five minutes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I had only seen that movie once, and it was as like a an adult, and I was like, whoa, this here's, is depressing. Here's a fun fact about a different Christmas movie. That mm-hmm. movie was not popular when it came out, but it was I've in the that. public domain, and that's why it's on tv all the time is because they put it in the public domain and that's why it's become a classic because it was free there you go the lesson is just play something over and over and over again and it saturates into our brains and we're like oh i think i'm supposed to like this so i do yep and um that movie also has one of our janes um uh she was a radio jane uh nice very cool yeah um, but yeah, so, uh, my favorite line of like the whole thing in most versions is when he throws up the window and like shouts to the boy and he's like, go and get that 
bird. And he's like, the one as big as me. And he's like, oh, you're a clever lad. Yes, go bring it here. Like all this stuff. Everything um, everyone does after he's he like wakes up from this experience is like the coolest person. He's mm-hmm. so stoked about everyone. I loved his little like dance around his room that he did. And I was like, that is a fully a note. I was like, George C. Scott <laughs> is the best happy Scrooge. He is so good at it. He like literally like jumps on his bed and all this other stuff. And I was like, wow, I wonder if he like afterwards he was like, whoo, I'm winded. Or if he's like, I run five miles every day because I eat a bunch of steak and drink a bunch of milk. I'm 67 year old George Scott. <laughs> or whatever it was, 57? 57. Okay, cool. <laughs> I also love that you like hesitated because you were like, George Scott, that seems wrong. George C. Scott, that's actually really Scott. There we go. <laughs> um, but yeah, he the kid buys a big bird and um, he gives it to <laughs> the uh, Cratchit family and they get a big turkey mm-hmm. by surprise. Um, and he uh, Scrooge goes to hang out with his nephew and gets to meet his nephew's wife. And he's yeah. like, wow, she's really pretty and she's nice. And I'm glad you guys have each other. And thanks for never giving up on me and continuing to invite me, even though I'm a curmudgeon. And they're like, oh, we're so happy you're here. Yay. Uh, and he drops hints that he was eavesdropping on them as a ghost because he knows about their games <laughs> and all kinds of other stuff. Um, um, but then they have a lovely Christmas. Yeah. And then I have always loved the scene at the very end where he's giving Bob Cratch at the raise. Mm-hmm. Um, they, because they didn't have him be caricaturishly nightmarish prior in like the earlier parts, I was watching that going, if that was my for real boss, I would be thinking I was getting fired in a way that wouldn't be fun and funny. Right. It wouldn't be like a fun little prank. You would have already started crying and they're like, no, no, this is happy news. And you're like, oh, you couldn't have started that way. (laughs) Like just my anxiety if my boss sends me a note being like, hey, um, when you have some time, we need to talk. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Versus like you're 18 minutes late after I didn't, I had to pay you when you didn't even work at all yesterday. Mm-hmm. I'm a very angry man and I'm totally the same. I didn't have any life altering experiences in the last 24 hours. <laughs> Surprise. I'm doubling your salary and he throws him a little bag of gold. Okay. If someone, you know, in life mm-hmm. had this dramatic of a personality shift, Traumatic brain injury. That's where my mind would go. A hundred percent. Right? Like this man. <laughs> something. I would not be like, everyone else just kind of rolls with this. I would be like, hey, any strokes recently? <laughs> Did a railroad spike go through part of your brain? <laughs> I'm not mad about it. I just am pretty sure that you're going to go back to normal at some point. And mm-hmm. at that time. I would like for you not to blame me for the whole Cole situation. So could you like write yourself a little note and say, I did this on purpose and sign it. I'd love a contract. Not you just throwing money at me about the fact that you're doubling my salary. Yeah, that'd be great. But he's a, he's a businessman. He'd probably write it down somewhere. He keeps very detailed ledgers. Super great point. I think um, Bob Cratchit and Jane have a lot of really similar um, ideas around uh, negotiating for positions and mm-hmm. uh, receiving salaries. Yes, absolutely. Agreed. Um, to join you in your distaste of uh, Tiny Tim, when Tiny Tim said the line <laughs> for the second or third time in this movie, and I was like, dude, kid, like, get some new material. We've heard this one. Next. And <laughs> like, you're not good at saying it. 
It's supposed to be, God bless us, everyone. And like, you're supposed to be really excited about it, especially that last one. It has to be enough that like the whole audience is going to be part of this now. Um, And instead it just falls flat again, little weird pointy teeth boy. (laughs) Take that, you little curmudgeon. (laughs) Well, it's okay, guys. Just so you know, I'm not bullying a child. That man is a grown man now. So (laughs) at least you got to say the line because in the Muppets movie, they give that final God bless us everyone line to um, Michael Caine. He's the one who says it. And I'm like, you just stole that from that little frog. How dare you? (laughs) The frog is going to go home and cry, Michael Caine. He will cry. (laughs) Don't make the frog cry. (laughs) Come on. But this has been a Christmas carol. So yeah. Yeah. Here's a question I have for you to end on a very uh, sweet, real Christmassy note. What do you think uh, is important lessons that we should take into our day-to-day lives as real adult people in the world today? Ooh. Um, I think the idea of being present um, in a moment, and that works well with talking about the ghost of Christmas present. Um, I feel like it's very easy for me anyway, to get a little too swept up with, um, like social media, trying to keep up with trends, things like that being like, am I as happy as I remembered myself being around the holidays? And it's not a competition with your past self or people online. It's about genuinely seeking out things that you think would be fun. Um, and also prioritizing your own comfort and happiness. There's a lot of pressure around the holidays to be like, I have to be everywhere. I have to please everybody. You're allowed to say no to certain invitations. You are hundred percent mm-hmm. encouraged to seek out the things that you really want to do. Go and do that. Uh, ideally with yeah. people that you love. For sure. And you can turn down any invitations, Piper, except for to my annual Christmas party that you do have to attend. Um. <laughs> okay. I will. <laughs> <laughs> but which um, I I always look forward to (laughs) yeah um I think the thing that I was really struck by in watching this version and again it's it's one of those things where it's like is this because it's something that I'm seeing as an adult did this version really emphasize that or is that a moment in my life that it's really highlighting it for but the thing that really struck me obviously we should care about people who are uh, less fortunate than us or even equally fortunate to us in dealing with other situations. Um, but I think what, what was more applicable directly to my life in this particular one was, um, just the reminder that like work isn't the most important thing and money isn't the most important thing that like, I think particularly, um, in today's day and age, we get very, um, our identities get really wrapped up in what we do for work. Um, and the reminder that your family and your life and what you spend your time on, um, and that joy that Piper was talking about, that being the more important thing, um, was something that was really striking to me how clear that lesson was here. Yay. Aw, look at it. Yay. Story still teaches things today. Well, and, and you can share with us, wait, are we rating this? Yeah, let's do it. We probably should. Okay. You go first. Um, of all of the Christmas Carol versions that I have seen, I'm going to give this a solid seven out of 10, (laughs) um, cornucopias. Nice. My chariot. Um, I am also, I'm going to give this, I think it did a really good job of telling the story fast, Mm -hmm. which I enjoyed. Um, so I think I'm going to give it seven and a half out of 10. 
Nice. And I'm going to do top hats. Cool. I love it. Because they had some really good bonnets in this and really good top hats. They did. It's always fun to see that fashion. That, I feel like that fashion is cemented in my brain when I think about, like, what is Christmas fashion? It's this time period of, like, the classic Christmas carolers. Because I also feel like the little, like, holiday villages, those little ceramic Mm -hmm. houses that have light bulbs in them, they're forever set in that time period as well. So I feel like that's just become kind of the, oh, these are the good old days of Christmas. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I so if you have your favorite adaptation of Christmas Carol or if you have your favorite lesson from Christmas Carol, you can share those with us and honestly everyone um, <laughs> by finding us at AirBuds across all social media or emailing us AirBuds at gmail.com. Yeah. And if you tune in next week, we are going to be doing another adaptation of Jane Eyre. We are fully cleansed palette wise. uh, So now we can go back talking about Jane. Um, And this one is coming to us from the Czech Republic. So Mm -hmm. uh, it's another version that we don't have a translation for. So we're going to be doing our best job of trying to follow along and figure out what's going on. But lucky for you guys and everyone else, we're experts. We we know the story. So we're Um, excited to see it. And in speaking of being experts, I don't want to bum people out by always talking about the fact that we're winding down the podcast, but this is our last film adaptation of Jane Eyre that we will be talking about is the um, Czech miniseries from a year that I didn't write in my notes. (laughs) So definitely don't miss that one. Um, And yeah, leave us a five-star review if you can. We love you guys so much. Send us emails, messages. Don't forget to vote. With either a candy cane or a spooky ghost. Mm-hmm. And also remember, guys, go bless us, everyone. No. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. Uh, goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs>